So basically, I'm living my life in uh, in in just terror of when my AC is gonna shut off. <laughs> On top of everything else happening in the world. Dude, yeah, on top of everything else in the world, you know, uh, people aren't wearing their masks and stuff like that. And, you know, whatever. Arizona's shutting down again. Gyms are closed. And my house is really, really hot. How are you doing with the gym closures? Are you just doing your uh, prison workouts in the park? Okay, well, here's the whole thing. Do do, do you want to go into this? Let's go into this. Okay. So Wait, did you do your year of whatever, Murph's? Yeah, that was that was done before uh, coronavirus came. Oh, that was done in like it was right before though. I think it was. Uh, in fact, I can get the date. It was it was right before everything because I remember naively thinking everything was fine back during that time. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. That was on March seventh, so it was literally right before we locked down. Wow. You, do you know the last time we did a podcast? Do you know what day it was? No, when was that? It was in October of uh, 2019. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast. Yeah, I mean, man, I probably was much more of an optimist back then. Yeah, because a lot's happened since then. But at the same time, I feel like probably this has lent quite a bit of perspective in a, in a sense, like not to say that this is a good thing because it obviously isn't. But at the same time, you know, I think at that point in time, like with all the stuff that I've definitely done career wise that has been well intentioned and has been um, really well thought out, there's also been stuff that I've done that's just kind of like, Ah, I don't know, like out of out of some sort of need, you know what I mean? Right, right. Which is not which is not foundless, but like, you know, the idea that, you know, why am I not this now, or why? How do how do I get this now? How do I keep doing stuff? You know, and this coronavirus thing has kind of shown me that, you know, first of all, I'm incredibly privileged that I was never laid off or never furloughed or anything. Mm-hmm. I have had a job this entire time. My right. pay never was affected at all. You know what I mean? Um, now, this defund the police thing, that might actually end up causing some ripples, you know, outwards. But I work with enough incompetent people that I know that I'm not going to be the first on the chopping block. Do you see what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, if worst came to worst, which I don't think it will, because, you know, I'm part of enough of a, a large enough organization that. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Have I even told you that I'm back at Axon? You have. I was thinking maybe we should do a little recap of what's happened since last October. Like a quick recap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think there's actually a really valuable lesson here. Um, I, and I think we've talked about something similar about like when to quit and stuff like that. Probably. But yeah, it's like, that's, that's what we talked about a lot right before we stopped. We took a pause yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, because I think October 2019 was right when I quit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So then I had this whole other thing and uh, and I'll sum it up. But basically, like, uh, it's like I wish that, you know, the following events that I will relay was like a tactical move that I had planned because it ended up panning out really well, but it totally wasn't. And uh-huh. it kind of just goes to show you that. Um, I mean, not to get too philosophical or whatever, but like. You know, we, we, I think that I struggle a lot with having control over stuff. Like, I need mm-hmm. to have, and ultimately, at the end of the day, the universe is just this like wild beast that we live inside. And if you think that you have control over something, it's merely an illusion. And, you know, you just have to be a little bit more flexible about like, you know, how things are happening. And it's really less about, how you produce things and more about how you react to things. But I don't know if that's actually true. That's just kind of my. That's that's secreting. You're talking about the secret. That's secreting. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was happening to you in October? Okay. Yeah. So let me, let me backtrack. Uh, okay. So when I left Axon, um, 
it was my chief complaint was that uh, not so much just about pay or anything like that, because like I'm a firm believer in if I uh, like I trust myself enough that one day I will get paid a lot because I will demonstrate value and like value is what gets you the big bucks. It's not like, you know, for instance, it's not like I was just I would just walk onto a set and be like, yeah, I want to be a filmmaker and. I need this much money. You know what I mean? It's like right. the process that you do is like demonstrating your value. And that allow- it's kind of like your business plan, how you kind of marked out that you're going to get this much money for this film. And then you're going to like ramp up because you're demonstrating the value of what you can do with people's money that will then, you know, kind of show like why you would be responsible with that, blah, 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 blah all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So uh, my chief complaint wasn't even really about what I was getting paid. It was just more that, I was holding up a lot of what was going on on my team. Like they, I was, you know, outperforming everyone and by a fucking wide margin. And I just, I went into my annual review or like, or no, 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 no. This was before my annual review because I was getting offers from a lot of other places, you know, and a lot of other places were hitting me up on LinkedIn or doing this or doing that. And uh, I'd been through several uh, I'd been through several um, interview, ben- uh, interviews. Interviews. You were being yeah. vetted. No, you were being pursued. What is the word for it? You're being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was being pursued. You were being, uh, not not sniped. What is it? Headhunted. Headhunted. Something like that. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get it in post. Um, and. Uh, and so I was getting a bunch of off- offers. So it's just kind of like, hey, I just want to know where I stand in this in this procedure. So I had a um, I had a meeting with my at that time manager, and you know I just sort of said, hey, like I'm not trying to create a hostage situation here because an employee, a previous em- or current employee actually had already done that. Like said, like oh, I need this much money or else I'm going to walk. And then they said, okay, fine. And then she like put in her notice, but then because of where I was moving in the same company, they were like, oh shit, we need somebody still like, okay. And they paid to retain her, but now they had buyer's remorse because she wasn't that good. Right. She's still there. Yeah, she's still there. She's still there. Um, Which, you know, whatever, which I mean, and I think my narrative will go to show actually what demonstrates real value and what doesn't, but that's for the listener to decide. I won't, you know, put it into anyone's head. But so I say, you know, look, I don't want to start a hostage situation. This isn't about a certain dollar figure. I just need to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for my career. And at that time, and even still currently sometimes, I think one of my biggest problems is that I just don't believe in myself like at all. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. I just have this, yeah, I just have this anxiety about like, oh God, I have to keep constantly like doing things or tinkering or something because otherwise I'm not going to end up where I need to end up. Like, I'm very worried about that. And I don't know how one solves that because it's just a constant, it is just a constant thing that I experience. I'm trying to back up off it now, uh, but that's a long time in the works, you know, like that's, it's been all my life up till now that I've been able to like, you know, I, I've only operated that way. So, you know, I was just like, look, I just need to make sure that my career is going in the right direction. Um, what's the plan? You know, what's what's the plan here? Like, what what's going on? And my manager told me that she really couldn't tell me that. And like, they didn't have information to offer me or like, or like, look, I can't really discuss that. It hasn't been put in, blah, 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 whatever. And to me, that told me that, like, okay, I'm probably up for an annual raise. But if I'm sitting in the same spot, like, A, that's probably, like, I don't care if I'm in the same position again or something like that. That's totally fine. I just need to fucking have a plan here. Like, I can't, I can't, because then what happens? Then what happens two years later or three years later? Oh, I've gone from this to this to this to this, but I'm sitting in this same, you know what I mean? It's like, I am not this guy who's satisfied going from, you know, a this thing level one to a this thing level two to a this thing level three and then capping out there. It's like, that is not my ambition. And one could maybe argue that my ambition isn't in line with my experience or maybe isn't in line with my ability. But 
that's for someone else to fucking figure out, all right? I'm a dreamer here, all right? I'm not trying to listen to rationality or that kind of bullshit. I'm going to struggle or, or, like, I'm going to rage against the machine until I <laughs> fucking probably die an unhappy man at 55. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's happening no matter anyways, what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's inevitable. Um so I was just really unsatisfied with her answer. But the thing was, was that I handled it professionally. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't there to like create a fit or like throw a shit fit or, you know, say like, oh, I want this much money or something like that. No, that's not what I was here to do. She just told me that they didn't like she basically admitted to me that they didn't have a plan or that they didn't have anything or that they hadn't visualized me in line for anything. So I was like, OK, like she admitted to me to that by not saying anything. Uh -huh. Now, I would. I would come to later find out that they were going to promote me from a level two to a level three. So from a middle to a senior. Okay. And give me a raise. I, I would only find that out much later, like in the future, like now I would only find that out. So, so that wasn't a, uh, open to me, but even still, that is not what I was looking for. And that's fine. I would have totally accepted that and gone with that for another year or another two years, but I need to have some sort of larger picture here. Otherwise that's totally unsatisfactory to me. That's that's right. my thing. Since then, I've learned uh, I'm tagging this moment right now. Like this is my clap for the story that there's a pin in that. That's another lesson that I've picked up in time that should might be obvious to some, but certainly wasn't obvious to me. So I decided to take this offer from uh, this startup that um, was paying me really well or that that said that they would pay me really well. Um, and that also like, obviously in a startup environment, there's way more visibility, right? Like there are way less people. I think there was 200 employees at the time. So if you're a rock star, obviously the whole company knows you, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, now here was warning sign number one. I said to them openly during the interview process, when they told me about the position, I was like, ah, I'm not crazy about the position. I left my offer on the table with them until the very last day that I could possibly accept because uh -huh. I just wasn't sold on the position. I, you know, uh, I don't know. It's not for me, you know, that kind of thing. And then, of course, they raised my stock options and like raised my pay and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, well, OK, like I, I just did it. You know what I mean? So there's uh, for just to, you know, break the monotony of the, the narrative, you know, there's lesson number one for anyone who's listening and is might be going through the same thing or might make the same. That's a mistake. It's like you don't realize it at the time, but that's a fucking mistake is that if you're inside, like your inner guts are telling you that, ah, I don't know, like this even this even this job pays me more than I currently make and all that kind of stuff. And if you're still not sold on it, there's a reason why. Like right. there's a reason why. Ultimately, you will know yourself best and you will know if you're going to be a success or a failure at this kind of stuff. Um, and I should have heeded my own like internal feelings, but I just wasn't like looking at the logistics like that. Like I, I completely was just thinking about like, oh, how do I climb the ladder and do that kind of stuff? So right. It is what it is. So I start working for this company and um, yeah, the role just wasn't right for me. It's like I'm so strong in things like you know data analysis and then through that creating strategy or even coming up with competitive you know using competitive intel to design strategy or you know looking at uh designing uh pricing and doing that kind of stuff like that's the kind of stuff that i'm good at they were really having me as part of like a funnel marketer which i oh hated. that's weird yeah don't do that yeah, it was it was well, and the thing was is that it did really, you know, on one of the months where I actually hit quota, uh my payout was huge. Like I was uh -huh. making good money, but I fucking hated every day on the job. It's so just ridiculous. You just have to be I was just pounding the phones, being on LinkedIn and saying and it's just so disingenuous. Like really, unless you really really believe and here's my second piece of advice. Um, the term is like SDR or BDR. So sales development representative or business development representative. It's a real like junior role. It's for people starting your career. You know, a lot of kids out of college are doing it, you know, and a lot of businesses, especially the San Francisco types, you know, they, they rely on these people to basically funnel people into their business. 
Here's another tip for people coming out of college and doing this type of role, or maybe people in my position who are doing this kind of role. Um, don't fucking do it if you don't believe in the product. Like, don't. And it's like, I did believe in the product, but uh -huh. not enough to, like, be the kind of person who wants to have a conversation about it all the time. Because here's the thing. What we were selling is certainly valuable for, for businesses. And it's certainly because it was basically like, um, you know, and I, for reasons I probably won't say the name of it. I don't know if that would be restrictive or not. You don't have to. Don't say it. Yeah, won't. They're in the but past. But basically, yeah, yeah, they're in the past. Um, and I don't want to be like negative about anything. You know what I mean? But basically, it's uh, an app that uh, gives you like a professional coach, you know, so that you can navigate the workplace better and all the stress and all this kind of stuff. And you can like, if you're able to bring your whole self to work, you'll be better and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I was a really great fit for the company because I am that fucking guy where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to meditate in the morning and I want to read 52 books this year and like I want to work out all the time and stuff. Like I am that guy where it's right. like I'm all about well wellness and mental wellness and then, you know, bring that to the workplace. But uh, the role was just dumb. Like for or, you know, it was just bad for me. It wasn't dumb. It was just really, it wasn't really a fit. Yeah. Me. Yeah, because it's like here I am on LinkedIn and it's like the whole thing is that you have to like basically I'm just not a fit for the position because you know how I talk. I love to really get in the weeds on, and, on the on nitty gritty. And on. He just and I never <laughs> stop talking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I go I I have long form uh I guess we could call them conversations, but really <laughs> Really, it's kind of like just a one-way monologue. <laughs> yep. Just saying shit. So that's completely not what this – it's like you have to like have the right hook and just only say a small amount of things. Like um, let me see if I can still even remember how I would uh, – oh, Yeah, you have to hook them with this. like a pitch. It's like an elevator pitch. You have to speak in elevator yeah, pitches. But you have to do it so, so – uh, you know, and then it's like, do I announce where I'm calling from or do I first just try and hook them with an intrigue, you know, or like it, it was just such bullshit. You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. I f like I'm just trying to be like my whole thing is that I am unapologetically who I am. But then I had to start tailor fitting that because their whole thing was like, no, we want you to bring yourself to the role. And it's like, trust me, the role doesn't work with bringing you don't myself. want that. You don't because want they that. They specifically said like, oh, you know, one of the guys who was in the same position that I was working in who was like doing better than me, he was like, yeah, you got to stop talking about the science and the, the data behind it and stuff. It's like you just have to be in and out like whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's fucking not me. You know uh -huh. what I mean? It's like right. if I'm going to defend to someone why they should buy this product, I'm going to tell you why you should buy I'm not going to say like, oh, yeah, totally. Basically, like companies do a lot better with this. <laughs> Let me just connect you with whatever. It's like, no, fuck that. That's dumb. I'm not here to waste anyone's time, and I certainly don't want them to waste mine. And it was all uh -huh. just such a runaround. It just – it was a bad fit. So during this period of time, I had uh, – it turns out that – I have had like a base level of normal anxiety, which is like the average for a person. So during this period of time, I actually um, experienced what like a lot of anxiety would feel like for the first time, which like, fuck, man, if I can make sure I never get back to that. Because uh -huh. like, even when I was, you know, I don't know, because I was just so worried about getting fired. And I like as a high performer have never, ever ever felt like I was going to get fired or that I wasn't going to do well. You know, the worst experience I've had was like when I felt like I was going to get a B in college. You know what I mean? It's like I, I always have had this like safety net of knowing that I'm doing okay. But uh -huh. then for the first time ever, I was not fucking doing okay. And um, there's, you know, man, I really should have made – if. I should have prepared a list because it's like I'm discovering that there are so many in doing this recap. I'm discovering that there are so many actual like things that are probably valuable for people to know. But it's just one of those things that you learn through experience. Yeah, um, we'll talk about those in the future. Yeah, exactly. And so now is the future from that time. Because uh -huh, um, so I, like I got my own list. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, so you probably know this is that it's like you are inevitably going to fuck up. At yeah. some point in your life, you know what I mean? If you're a doctor, somebody is going, or like a surgeon, someone's going to die. 
it's it's not a great fact and it's really it's a sad fucking thing but it is going to happen and so similarly it's like i've always been so careful and stayed so far upwind that i've never fucked up like that before so when it finally happened as an adult like that's the thing it's like it happened to me when i was 28 <laughs> you know it's like there's no excuse for how poorly i took it but it devastated me uh-huh. Like it was all I could think about my, you know, my personal relationships. Like it was all I was talking about and all I was obsessed with. And I was just like angry or sad about it or something like that. When in reality, this was just an ebb and a flow, you know, uh, it, it happens like that. It was not the right role for me. So that's, that's another thing. It's just like in your professional career or in your personal life or whatever, it's like, you're going to make a mistake that is going to seem like the end of the world to you, but it isn't like uh-huh. I'm also like, when did I quit that job? I left in, I started my current job in April. So that means it's only been <laughs> like three months wow. and I, I, I feel great now. You know That's what I mean? Good. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, it only took a small change to completely get me back on track. So even if you think that you've made this colossal fuck up or like you're so desperate or sad or you know, whatever, it's like it could be no guarantees, but it could be that all it takes is a, a tweak here and a shift there and you'll be right back on track. So right. I don't know. There's another there's another. Uh, but, but, but what was the, the thing that got you to go back to Axum? Well, that's that's the interesting thing. So uh, while I'm doing this and while I'm feeling fucked. Uh, because I remember specifically there was, uh, it was the weekend before the actual lockdown. So actually it might've been March 7th or around that time. Um, I remember because the weekend that we officially locked down was also the weekend that it was Colton's bachelor party. So I don't know. It's like, I definitely didn't quarantine well the first week of quarantine because Uh I I had like 14 guys from all over the place in the same house just getting ridiculously drunk and shit like but anyways i i digress so right around that time in march i get a text from um a pretty high power person at uh my current work at axon and uh this person was someone that i always really respected i worked with them um this person was the person who you know pushed for me to go on these trips like go to denver or go to uh, all these things with what's known as the major accounts team these this is the team of people who hold up 60 percent of the company's revenue they're absolute cowboys like they just get shit done and you know close huge millions 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 government contracts like 40 to 50 million at a time you know that kind of shit uh-huh so she texts me and she says, hey, just wanted to check in how you were doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would love to connect. Uh, we actually have a need for someone with your skills if you're, if you're interested, but more importantly, wanted to see, you know, make sure that you were happy, blah, blah, blah. Now, what I've come to learn about this person is that this person is an excellent salesperson and they, therefore, play the know. game. Not only do they play the game, but also they can see right through me. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like they they know the things that they have to do to get what they want, not necessarily in a malicious way, but she I can think now at this time she felt really confident that she was going to be able to draw me back in. I already right. know this. Yeah. And if not then, certainly when we connected over the phone like a couple of days later. And basically what she pitched to me was that look, she was like, "Look, you left right when quarter 4 started." And right, and have been gone for all of quarter one. So like, mm-hmm. you know, and she was like, basically, a lot of things have slid because like we had this deal with Dallas that was for, you know, 36 million and it just got tabled. We were supposed to close it in Q1 and it just slid. E. And she's like, a lot of what happened there was because we realize and she wasn't my boss. She didn't affect my salary. She didn't affect anything. Mm-hmm. But I worked with her pretty closely, and she was like, we realized that, A, you were a little bit more sophisticated than the position that you were being held in, and B, you were actually doing a lot more, like, you you didn't stop at the confines of your job. You were always, like, 
okay, this deal is processing. Let me figure out how I can get it through faster. Let me th- think how, okay, I'm on the line for whatever. I was like on the phone with chiefs of police, which is completely outside of my job function. But because right. the deal, the deals were so complicated, they wanted me to explain it to them because even the sales reps didn't know how to explain it. So then I would. And I just always did that. I was just always like, oh, yeah, let me chat with them, whatever. But that was so far out of lines of the confines of the job that the person that they got to replace me just, you know, and it's it's a tough gig. I'm not saying that they're inept or anything like that, but they totally just what it wasn't the same level of quality they didn't go above and beyond right exactly so suffice to say like whole thing wrapped up is that they were saying what we're pitching is that we want to create a new position for you where basically you are going to be like an interdisciplinary you don't fit into one slot so What I do now, basically, is that from inception, when a sales rep is kind of thinking about like, okay, here's a deal that we could put together. Here's the customer's needs. Here's where we want to get them to. Already, I'm a part of that conversation. So I'm part of the sales conversation, and I'm figuring out how we're going to, with all the nuts and bolts and contractual obligations. uh, Basically, the way that I explain it is that there's uh, Mission Impossible, right? I... I, uh, Love that movie series uh, because I was coming back from India and I watched all six in a row because that's how long it takes to get back <laughs> oh my from goodness. India. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, there's Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt. He's jumping, he's running, he's uh, riding motorcycles and, you know, all that crazy shit, right? And then there's the other guy who's the geek behind the laptop, you know? Uh-huh. I'm the other guy. You know, I make sure that the that the lights turn green when we need to pass through all these intersections and like I make blah, 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 I open up the doors, yada, yada, yada. Like that's basically what my job is, is anything that we need to do within our systems to get to the yes. It's like, that's what I do. Uh So, and then of course there was like, you know, a healthy pay bump and you know, whatever, but it's so interesting what intrinsically happened. And at first I was really nervous about coming back because I was like, oh shit, they're going to like treat me like a deserter or something. And like, maybe I won't, get the same career progress that I was or, you know, because they're going to think, oh, it's just going to bail out at any minute or something. Right. But in fact, the opposite was true in that, like, not because Q4 and Q1 of last. So Q4 of last year, Q1, we did not hit our quota goals this quarter. And I'm not saying I'm responsible for this because that would be ridiculous. Like, I'm right, right. But, but optically, it looks really, really good that on a quota of $40 million, the major accounts team has put up uh, $78 million this, this quarter. Yeah. The first, the first quarter I'm back. So optically, it looks really good that like, and, you know, in the last day of the quarter, I was able to navigate through our systems and get something through and like everything worked. So basically, I'm getting a whole lot of, and what's happening right now is we're looking for a new director of sales operations. Uh huh. And I've been told, like, somebody actively came to me and said, Hey, you know, we're looking for Phil in this position. And they said, Look, to speak honest with the, honestly with you, I don't think you're ready for this yet. You know, a director is many steps above. It's like, first, you're generally a manager. And then once you're strong within that, then maybe a directorship position, you know. So they're like, You're still an individual contributor. I don't think you're ready for this. But I just wanted to let you know that what you're doing, because you're so interdisciplinary, that would line you up for this kind of a role. Oh, nice. And so it's like, I'm actually being taken seriously now. You know what I mean? And because I have, because I make enough money right now, I'm not constantly scratching and clawing and trying to get up the ladder because I'm like, okay, let me just perform here. Let me just do my job, figure out how to do it well. Let me learn more in the role. But because I'm not, you know, like desperate to make a living in Phoenix where everything is more expensive and like all this kind of shit, because I'm able to live within my means now and all that kind of stuff, I'm way less anxious about getting to the next role. If I do this for the next two years, I'm okay with that. Right. So I think that's kind of the final two lessons about like what, what, uh, you know, kind of has happened over the past couple of months with me to recap um, from a creativized, strategized, synergized uh, perspective, is that, you know, number one, just getting to a place of like stasis is the most important thing. It's like, if you can 
get yourself to a point where you're uh, living within your means. And so like, that's the important part, right? Don't be one of these uh, $40,000 millionaires out there in Scottsdale. You know, it's like all these guys who are, and it's a lot of those SDR, BDR types really, because they make a commission check or something, but then Uh they blow it all on nice shoes or like whatever. And it's like, that's fine if you want to live that lifestyle, but that creates so much more anxiety. It's like, I'm perfectly comfortable being where I'm at, even if I'm going to be here for the next two years. So if that's the case, like it allows me to give myself the time to really refine and like learn and grow without constantly being worried about what's next. Uh That's number one. And then the second thing was just kind of like, I couldn't have planned this thing to go as well as it did, you know, but it's like, it did actually take me, and I don't care what anyone at Axon says, it did take me leaving get to where I'm at. I wouldn't have, you know, not in this time span in the eight months total that I was gone from, because I was gone October to April. Right. Uh, Well, okay. So not even, not even. Uh Right. In that short amount of time, they wouldn't have put me in the spot that I am at now. And it wouldn't have happened like this. So I don't care what they say. It's like, sometimes you do have to, you know, demonstrate if, if you are valuable, Sometimes you got to reassert that that value either by telling people what you've done and like keeping track of the metrics of what you've been doing. Or, yeah, I mean, if if people aren't paying attention to you and you honestly believe that you would deserve that, say fuck it and bail. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, we talked about that, I think, last year about being loud or talking loud. What was it? Something being loud. I think it was getting loud, getting loud and just like talking about yourself. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it worked. So it worked for you. It it did. It did. And, you know, I'm not going to tell people to like go up and quit their jobs or whatever. But at the same time, you know, I think I just needed a little I needed to step outside to see um, to see kind of the, the perspective. And that's kind of the dirty little secret. And I'm not sure if people at Axon are aware or not. But the dirty little secret is actually I stepped outside and fucking hated it. (laughs) Right, right. You know, but then because I like, you know, they came back to me and because I was riding the wave at that point of actually having a couple big checks in a row, um, I was doing okay. So I wasn't desperate for it or anything like that. But when they opened up about, you know, a bigger position and kind of this, that, whatever, career development, then I was like, all right, like now I can come back to the table. That's all you wanted. So. Yeah, that's that's all. All I wanted was a conversation about, you know, what to do with my career and like, how do I make sure I get there? I'm not. Oh, yeah. And so that's the other thing that I I said, I put a pin in that and I wanted to get back to it. Um, Don't make the mistakes that I did earlier, which is the thought that like, if you just toil away hard enough, like your career mapping will happen for you. Uh huh. That that was ultimately my biggest mistake. It's like I should have just been having this conversation on the daily and stopped worrying about how full of myself I seemed or how pretentious I might have seemed. No, it's like I am committed to working hard. I just need something to work hard for. So like I just should have been having that conversation. Hey, I really want to do this. Or if you don't know what you want to do, if you're like me and you don't really know what you want to do, just start asking around or start saying like, hey, how do I get, you know, into bigger stuff. I want to get upstream. I want to, you know, whatever, like just start constantly having those conversations. But if you just quietly sit at your desk and think that people are going to notice your hard work, it's like, it'd be great if life was like that, but it turns out it's not. So no, not at all. Don't, don't fucking bother trying to do that. So, you know, that's really kind of a recap of the past, uh, months for me and like both the wins and the losses across that time scale. Um, and like some of the some of the takeaways that I've had, at least. Well, that's good. It sounds like you were able to uh, look like you took a chance, and then you're able to pivot back into a better position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's really the the, and that's kind of the thing is that like I think the biggest one out of all of these little nuggets of information is the idea that like you will bounce back if you just keep the drive and you keep the, you know. Uh, keep any kind of forward momentum it's like even if you take a back step or something like kind of really negative happens uh-huh. like you totally have the ability to bounce back so you know and i'm not even it's not even something like bad happened to me you know it's not like i'm you know malala or like any of these people who actually deals with adversity <laughs> you know what i mean it's like 
I'm just some guy who's just like, oh, yeah, well, I picked well. a bad job. Yeah, I'm going to exactly. get a B plus this week. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but what's been going on with you? Uh, I've kind of been going through the same roller coaster ride. Uh, so I made yeah. a business plan and, you know, we planned on making a movie uh, this year at some point. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time making that business plan and it looked pretty good. It and did. And then uh, I started writing the script and the script's pretty good. It's ready for another rewrite. So it was all looking good. So we got to the point where it was time to go out and ask people for money. Yep. And that was probably around the same time where you uh, were done with your Murphs and you were mm-hmm. changing job positions. So then yep. everything shut down. The pandemic hit. So then we we're like, maybe we shouldn't uh, go out and ask people for money right now. Maybe we should wait a little bit. And see when you know when things start picking up again, things will be good after shutting down for two months. So then uh, we waited for a while, and then we tried to go. Once we started opening back up again, it's like, oh, let's go out and start asking people for money again. And then the second wave hit, but then also the protest started happening. Yeah, and this is a a, a, a cop movie, basically. It's called Dirty Harriet. Oh. And now we have this cop movie happening and it's like, is now the time to be making a cop movie? Well, it's, it's complicated, right? Because on the one hand, your ethos as a company is to put like bring to the surface that diversity roles are like really have their own stories to tell and like, you know, whatever. So on the one hand that drives that narrative, but on the other hand, yeah, it's a cop movie. Right. So, there was uh, some. Just, there's been a lot of discussion about whether we should make a cop movie or not. Yeah, uh, I am on a, a high of a roller coaster where I think we should be making it. But also, mm-hmm. three days ago, I was thinking we can't make this movie for a while. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. I see that perspective. Like, I, I see both sides of like how that's a complicated decision. Right. Well, if you if you look into like uh, like the film critic world. And like film theory and all those people that just talk about movies and not really make movies. Uh, people that just, you know, like like, me. To, like you, that just like to have opinions and write opinions out <laughs> on how movies should be made and how they shouldn't be made without actually making movies or telling stories. It's right. it's the big discussion when at first the fr- process first started happening was uh, the whitewashing of police crimes or accountability for police. Yeah. Just making police these hero heroic type figures, and that's why a majority of white America has no issues with uh, policing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that all happened. They, it, it, the conversation all was stuck in the TV periodicals. Is that what they're called? You know, like Chicago PD, Law and Order, like those movies. Mm-hmm. Those not movies. Yeah. Those TV shows, but not necessarily movies. If they bring up movies, it's like uh, there's one awesome article about comparing uh police representation with Stallone movies and it was amazing it was like judge dread and copland and tango mm. and cash and cobra mm-hmm. it's like how he represents the spectrum of the different types of police out there yeah but uh my current state of it right now is that the majority of those stories are being told by uh, uh writers and storytellers that are um the majority of them are white. Mm-hmm. So, so if this was like a cluster chart or what are those co- correlation charts? Uh, uh, With the dots? Oh, I, I know what you're talking about, but it's like I'm, I'm looking for the exact word because it's a it's a isn't it called a cluster graph? I think so. This feels like a cluster something else. But yeah, you put that graph <laughs> on here. It's a bunch of, you know, uh, white people telling stories about white cops. And they're glorifying all them, making them heroes, which is storytelling. It's all in a fantasy world anyway. Right. So if I come out here to tell my story, which I can relate to because it's basically my real life story. Mm -hmm. I'm not white. I'm a minority. And we're going to have a diverse cast. And it's by default, we are outside of the cluster. We are an outlier. Mm. Is that the book we read or was it the turning tipping point? Uh, it's it's definitely one of the books I was plugging hard at the time. So uh, so that's where I'm at with, you know, maybe we should make this movie or we shouldn't make this movie. But uh, another thing that happened 
during the protest was uh, so a big sell we were going to use to get funding was uh, Betsy Bruce, our star of the cop mm-hmm. movie, was uh, worked with Jimmy Kimmel for two years here in Tucson because he mm. was here doing a radio stint and we were going to get on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And then one of the weeks it was trending on Twitter to cancel Kimmel because yep. they were bringing up a lot of old comedy bits, the blackface. And there was a uh, interview he did with Megan Fox where he was kind of laughing at her because she was uh, telling a story about working on a Michael Bay movie when she was 15. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, it, yeah. So he was laughing during that interview, which was uh, inappropriate. Yeah. So uh, is that really a selling point anymore? Who knows if Jimmy Kimmel is canceled or not? So it's like yeah. uh, it's everywhere we've been going with this project. It's been like roadblock after roadblock. Mm-hmm. After roadblock after roadblock, like every yeah, I mean even everything we planned, everything we had a plan for has just been kind of knocked down or just stopped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and not to uh, add to that, but I I wonder what your take is on kind of a the more global kind of concern about is that like. Here's here's my uh, frustration. Well, it's like frustration, but then also understanding with the movie industry right now, right? So uh, there was this big to do that Arizona got shut down again, and they shut down gyms, uh, bars, water parks, uh, yeah. and, and movie theaters. And it's like movie theaters were never open again. So. This this kind of also ties in with my my thing with the gym closure right now is that um, they it just seems like a publicity thing this right. last round of closures because it's like I was not you know too like I've done a fair amount of DoorDash and a fair amount of Postmates and stuff but I haven't been to a restaurant since February same like here I haven't. and uh, it's like even my parents were bold enough to go to a restaurant when like things were looking okay for that like hot second and they're old and they wear masks you know whatever but even my parents were bold enough to do that but I didn't do that and so it's mm-hmm. like here's the thing I'm not trying to do a holier than thou thing and or whatever but we all know whose fault this is actually and I don't mind fucking finger pointing at this point because it's like what I'm thinking both politically and also like just decency how the world yeah, yeah well just- and and also just like how the world is working right now it's like i think you know maybe we are getting what we fucking deserved in the form of a real hard fucking spanking you know what i mean yeah because as soon as you know I, and that was also the thing it was kind of a choice that i made given um you know the state of how things were going just in general not necessarily with coronavirus but with um you know racial relations and then also civilian with with uh law enforcement and all that kind of stuff you know i just thought it was inappropriate for me to be posting all over social media and trying to do my thing where i'm like oh here's a workout you know whatever it's just like i don't know it just seemed kind of tawdry in comparison to like what was going on other people are actually using social media to communicate or to promote a discussion and uh you know i don't exactly have anything valuable to say on that front because mm-hmm. i am a minority of sorts although towards the future if we look towards the future i think i will actually be the majority uh, a mixed race you know whatever i think that right. i am the future so but you know i don't really have anything that intelligent to say about it so instead i was just like all right i'm going to opt to just listen to other people and just to like do what i do with a lot of stuff i read And Mm -hmm. I, you know, because that's the way that I form perspective is that like, all right, I'm going to read something by some guy who I don't agree with. I'm going to read something by some guy that I do agree with and we'll fucking figure out like I'm just trying to understand. So I took that little hiatus and you whatever, but I still had the app and I saw all these fucking people who immediately ran out to Scottsdale nightclubs and shit like that immediately as soon as it was lifted. And, you know, a lot of them are getting fined right now. And I don't think a fine, like, unfortunately, nobody cares. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the real fucking problem right now is that everyone constantly thinks that this heavy lifting and this hard work is going to be done by somebody else. You know, it was the same thing. It's like it's the problem I had with 
Greta Thunberg or Thornberg or, you know, that that girl who's very yeah, I yeah. love her spirit. She was she was angrily yelling and all that kind of stuff and saying shame on you for this, that and whatever. But that's the kind of bullshit that has to stop like that, I well intentioned. But it's like if you're not actively because then she was going to speaking engagements on private planes. Right. Like, I love what you're saying. But if you're not fucking doing it, then you might as well just stay quiet. You know what I mean? So it's like all these people like, oh, quarantine, whatever. And then you just mm, zip out to the bars. No, come on. No. Yeah. We, you know, so. It kind of seemed that this last – so that's my only problem with these last round of closures. And I'm, I'm working back to the movies, but I, I actually got segued on my way there. <laughs> um, no, I went through the same thing because we had a whole social media plan. And it kept yeah. getting delayed, like starting to post our fun stuff that we wanted to post. But, you know, it's like another week of protests, another new – somebody else was killed. You know, it just kept getting – uh, it kept going and going. It's like, when is the appropriate yeah. time to like start this thing? Are we even in a world where this is appropriate anymore? Right, exactly. Because it's like, look, uh, obviously I have my own self-interest, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I feel like my self-interest don't supersede the needs of the many in this case. And like, you know, it, to your point, like, when is that appropriate? I don't know. I don't right. know. You know, and, and I don't want it to be confused like what I'm attempting to do here, you know, because it's like, ultimately, I think that, you know, I don't even know what my <laughs> social media thing is about. It's just like, I don't know, I think I'm one of those douchebags who's on the internet trying to motivate people to, you know, I don't know, whatever. Right. To a degree, I think that that's a good thing. But also, I think that then I should be in the first round of people who shuts the fuck up when, you know, important stuff is happening. It's like, right. okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get back to working out and stuff like that later. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I just I just thought that I should, you know, take a, take a seat for a little while. Um, but that also has kind of made me think I have this whole different uh thesis uh that we'll discuss on another episode maybe that i think social media is bad uh for the planet i think that twitter uh is ultimately one of the inventions that's going to lead us to our fucking demise um but like i said that's material for a different episode but the point is is this latest round seemed like very just it seemed like it was just done for the media right it's like Movie theaters were closed already. The um, the like the Roadhouse here, the smaller theater was uh, reopened, and they're playing classic films. Oh, really? Yeah. Are, but are we've they, had a, so they're but they're closed now. They should be closed now. I assume they're closed okay. now. But okay. there was a lot of uh, like drive-ins that popped up, which I thought was pretty cool. Ex- yeah, I thought that was cool too, and and I think that that ultimately represents. I, I think that that's like a it's a. It's an analog or a uh, like a metaphor yeah. for what's happening. It's like that episode scale. of uh, Did you ever watch uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles growing up? And no. the Ninja Turtles go off into space, but then the computers get all uh, whacked out because of some solar flare. And Donatello has to calculate their trajectory back into Earth with an abacus. And everyone made fun of oh, him for yeah. having an abacus earlier in it. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Exactly, it's exactly like that episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Um, but so this l- latest round of closures just seemed really arbitrary. It's like the thing, the problem I have with closing gyms, and I agree with their assessment, which was that um, people are gross. You know, it didn't seem, and they grunt. Well, a lot. They're gr- people are breathing, and like. When, uh, because I don't know if you know this, but my gym, as in my lifting gym, not my jujitsu gym, but my lifting gym is actually still currently open and getting fines because the CEO refused to close. Wow. Yeah. Um, so Tom Hatton refused to close mountainside gyms. And I agree with some of his points and I disagree with some of them, but that's the nuance of life, right? Like the other thing is I'm not going to call him a brain dead fucking moron and like, you know, go smash uh, rocks through his windows because I can disagree with some of his stuff and he can still be a fine person. And I think mm-hmm. that that's another important message to, you know, it's like if you say that you don't want to wear a mask because of my rights or like whatever, I think you're an idiot or I think you're being unnecessarily stubborn, but I'm also not going to be unnecessarily punitive. You know what I mean? Like right. there's a balance there. And I think that 
we're losing this sort of tenderness as a country to like deal with nuanced situations like that because now everyone immediately resorts to doxing people on the internet or like here's a video of this person like you know whatever and it's like I think that that technology has been used for good in a lot of cases. Um, like, for instance, when there was that video of that woman who was like that that bird watching guy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, told her to leash her dog, which like you should just do in general. Like, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but it's like my dog is actually perfectly trained now to the point where I can take him outside without a leash and he doesn't leave my side. And I have commands to always retain him that I know for a fact will always retain him. That said, I would never fucking do it because he is can also be a killing machine. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, he's his own creature. And, I, he- and he's his own creature. He's autonomous. It's like, I don't know. You know, so so first of all, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but if anyone listens to this, leash your fucking dog when you take it outside. And that's an, an analogy for the masks, right? It's not about whether your dog can or cannot go off leash or whatever it's just because it'll make other people more comfortable and isn't that enough you know like you can believe that masks don't do anything that's fine Mm -hmm. but if it makes other if it makes the mass amount of people just more comfortable if you have it isn't that kind of worth something too isn't just having like some empathy and like feeling for another person and doing something that maybe you don't agree with but maybe it might help out a lot of other people. It's like, isn't that worth it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I It's like, I try, and I try to always kind of like, okay, let me see the multiple perspectives. But when it, when it comes to the mask thing, I don't see it. I don't see it. And, you know, I'm going to rant and I'm going to rave about it because it's like, I just think you're being ridiculous. That politician tweeted, like, I put my mask on and I immediately start having breathing problems or whatever. So just to be a dick, I went and I did the Murph with a mask on the entire time. So that means two miles, uh, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats with a 20-pound ballistic vest on. And I can do that with a mask. Now, if I can do that with the mask, you can go to the grocery store with a mask. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to yeah. hear it about from anyone else. I have asthma. I have this. It's like, you don't think that there are doctors who have asthma who have been wearing these masks for years? I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah. you're just... Yeah. It's like you're purposefully being weak about this just to – anyways, enough about the masks. But the point that I'm trying to make is also like not to bring more anxiety into your world, but what is the state of movies right now? Right. You know so what I mean? I, like, I, it does seem like there's like a need for new content, but there's no way to go out and make content to respect the parameters of a pandemic. You know, if, if I don't want right. to – like, this last weekend, I worked on a short film, and I was the only one wearing a mask the whole time. And we had there was eleven people total with cast and crew, but it was an yeah. it was an outdoor shoot, so that's why I felt fine with it because we were mostly yeah. outside. Yeah, at least we found that the the new studies show that if you're outside, it seems to not be as communicable by like a pretty wide margin. So like, I I could see that that's all right, but like, yeah, I I see what you mean though. But I was still able to wear a mask the whole time, and we were outside in Arizona. And it's like 98 degrees. And it's like, why are people complaining about this? But it was, right. yeah. But it's like, how do you create something in a world where you can't create anything? So, yeah, yeah that's, we, that's what, tough. Uh, so this year we've kind of declared it a wash. And so we've kind of made a new plan uh, for this year. And it's kind of to build the audience, if we ever can do that by posting stuff on social media. We just completed our first round, first week of ideas that we've had, and it seems to be going all right. People seem cool. to be liking the stuff we're posting. And uh, we made a new, uh, like, I guess it's like my, my biggest thing that I had an issue with, that I struggled with was if I can't make this movie, what the heck am I going to make next? And just because it's been, you know, full steam ahead on this one project and very focused, but there's not like a, we didn't paint a broad picture yet, which I was fighting for with all the people I've been working with in the elephant scout world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a new, I guess, partner, uh, Francisco, and he's, he's very focused and he likes to have everyone focus on one thing and figure out one project at a time and move forward. And I want to go big and kind of spread out workforces and, you know, bring in new people. If this person has a project, maybe we can have them just 
work on theirs and we can help them every once in a while while we're still developing our projects. And so it's, it's kind of a kind of spraying out. What is it? When you spray it out? Nope. I'm thinking about shotgun shells, you know, you have, <laughs> you know, like there's shotgun shells that have like the little pellets in it. And then there's ones mm-hmm. that are just the big bullet slugs slug. Yeah. I'm a, pellet guy francisco's a slug guy got it okay yeah, yeah, yeah that that makes sense but while we were all super focused on dirty harriet it's like everything kept crashing down for us and looked like it was never going to happen so one day mm-hmm. we made a list of other movie potential movie ideas and it's like 20 movies long and they're all really good and we're all really excited to work on any of them at any moment and it was just nice to kind of go from this mindset of, oh, we have to focus on one thing just to hop on these stones that we're going to lay out for ourselves, versus mm-hmm. this world is constantly changing. We need to be able to pivot to whatever at any given moment and still yeah. feel like we're moving forward and working on something that's fulfilling as opposed to eye on the prize. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough concept. And man, I, I've got to applaud you on your ability to kind of navigate that because, you know, like I said, I've been privileged enough to be able to like ride the surf on this and stay just on the same track basically the entire time uh-huh. um, with, you know, some anxieties here and some there. But uh, yeah, I it's it's a it's a exactly it's a tough thing because I, I don't know, um, you know, because I've been frustrated. It's like I feel like I've watched everything. Right. That, that, you know, I had any even like uh, one iota of interest in. So there's definitely a desperate need for content. But the problem is also like, how do you make sure you're, you know, it seems like streaming is the only way you're going to get anything out anymore. Because uh, actually, you know, I can't even name the amount of films that have been pushed back indefinitely. Like, um, as a huge Bond fan and nerd myself, No Time to Die was supposed to come out in April. Right. And now it's pushed back till November. But it's like, I don't even really have full faith that it's going to come out in November. I don't think it's going to happen. Same here. I don't think it will. Well, I think on my end, I never assumed I was ever going to get a theatrical release. I always assumed I was going to be straight to video, no matter what, straight to the streaming uh-huh. services. But it, it's just getting there. It's trying to figure out a way to make things happen. And it's just rough. Yeah. So the new yeah. plan for this year is to do uh, releasing all the old projects that we just didn't feel like releasing. Mm-hmm. which includes the the mummy movie. So I'm working on getting that up on Amazon Prime so people can stream it and watch it. Sweet man, you got to got to put it up because I'm running out of shit to watch. And then uh, Francisco made a movie around the same time I made the mummy movie called Third Son and we're working on finishing that cuz it's all just post production edit work that we can do on our laptops and mm-hmm. putting that out. So hopefully this year, even though we can't create anything, we could put things out. Yeah, and you then, can you can release stuff without creating it. Yeah, and then we could do one of your favorite things, and that's collect information. That's what I'm all about. So we could test, you know, Facebook ads or Google ads, or do we even need ads? You know, trailers and all that yeah. fun stuff on the YouTube's. So that's what we're gonna do this year instead of trying to force a movie to happen. That's uh that's good man. I I like the idea of that like not, you know, like the ability to cuz obviously you're pushing hard on stuff that you want to make happen, but if it's not going to happen, if it just isn't the environment, then, you know, being able to do this do this stuff. What is that in the that thing for Alcoholics Anonymous like affect the things you can change, don't do the things you can't and have the wisdom to know the difference or some shit like that. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Yeah, you're not an alcoholic yet. Is not that yet. what you mean? Not, <laughs> not yet. yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's cool that you're able to like you're working on the stuff that you can, and uh, you know, and and that's sort of the same deal for me. It's like I, not that I'm saying that this year is a wash or something like that, but I'm similarly like in that similar scope, just trying to like I'm putting aside anything. Although, and and this was an idea that I had that went that like was just in its infancy stages, but just completely has gone out the window now because of closure. So remember I had these whole ideas about, you know, 
optimized human and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh-huh. And I, re- I realize now that that was, like, way too broad. That was, like, something that you would do if you already had stuff, whether it's content or products or, like, whatever. So instead, I've come up with a product that I think is super viable, but unfortunately, it's only viable in non-corona world. So we have to learn how to pivot from that. I don't know if I can at this stage. So I'm that's not another doing thing, though. With- I mean, like I've had, I feel like ideas that happened in 2019 that we were planning on implementing in 2020, they mm-hmm. need to like be thrown out. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of stuff that just like you know, ah, probably not going to happen, and like quit struggling to make it happen. Like maybe just. But not only that, it's let's say everything goes back to normal. Let's say we have a vaccine and everyone's wearing their masks. And in two months, this whole virus is cleared up. Mm-hmm. And let's say the economy's on the mend and everybody's doing great. Everything's great. Are we going to be the same world in 2021 that we were in 2019? I doubt it. Um, I kind of feel like I've also personally changed in a lot of ways since you know we kicked off not only just uh since we've kicked off uh quarantine and stuff like that but also you know socially or politically or however you you know like i think i've personally and in a sense one could look at it as like a negative thing and that like i've definitely retreated uh into myself a uh-huh. little more you know as a person i have Outside of doing Fernet shots with you, I have no interest in drinking around bars. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. At the bars, yeah the the doofy the doofy you the know doofy, because it's like apologies. Don't get me wrong. I drink quite a bit at my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like <laughs> I just have no desire to be around the doofy and to be around. You know, I've just been growing more and more concerned about you know the violent state of things on any side like and i'm uh, i no political affiliation no uh no ethos you know here and i'm not saying anyone's right or anyone's wrong or whatever but i've just gotten really uncomfortable with uh and maybe this is just because like i'm gonna be the generation of people who is like traumatized is the wrong word but like became a shut-in or something like that it might be but from this whole corona thing and from whatever but it's like I kind of just don't want to, you know, engage on that. Like, I live in a house now. So it's like, instead, Chris Scott just comes and hangs out at the house and we drink all the Fernet we want here. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like, I, I just don't have any desire because I realize now how many, you know, like that time that uh, I got the shit kicked out of me on Fourth Avenue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't want to don't want to do it for a while. I'm good. But yeah, but but just just thinking about like because the audience is going to change, right? Yeah, versus last year to next year, and you know people are going to probably take longer to want to creativize, strategize, and synergize their own ideas because they're dealing with their trauma and how this is affecting them. So how do we how do we deal with that mm. as as creators with ideas trying to come up with something? Yeah. New? How do we make our visions that were previously like created as a function of the world that we lived in? It's like now the the world that we lived in has changed. Maybe yeah. permanently, maybe not. I don't know. We don't know. So how yeah, how do how do our visions and how do our designs and ideas, how do those then subsequently change uh as a result of that? I mean, I guess this podcast will be a study on it. We're gonna start studying it. Yeah, that that'd be good too. You know, just like, oh, hey, on this week's uh, creative strategy. Oh, also, I was thinking about this. What would you think about rehabbing the name? I'm okay with that. Because it, it, it's like I don't hate the current name, but I also am not positive. Like we said, shifting, you know, tectonics of everything that's going. I'm not sure that it'll reflect. Like, I don't know if that will reflect what is going on now. I oh, know we totally should change the name shouldn't or should i we should uh, we should should okay i'm, I'm yeah. down but now i don't know what, long, what to yeah. but it's your turn to come up with it because i feel like i came up with fuck creative <laughs> i strategize synergize 
all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, but yeah, I'll, so so in theory, this is the last episode of Creativize, Strategize, Synergize. Aw, sad. Is it though? Like we're growing, we're changing. I mean, yeah, no, we're we're growing and we're changing. But like you know, with everything, it's like I wasn't sad to leave high school, but it's sad to like you know, oh shit, I'm not gonna be fucking seventeen anymore or whatever. Okay, I I guess in that sense, it's very sad. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.